It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The fun forever is at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. You're listening to episode 398, and this is January 13th. Monday the 13th. Whoa. I don't know why I did a thing about that. It's not actually like, is Monday the 13th bad? I don't think that's a thing. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sitting here with uh, with the other Jason, Jason Okotarski. Yo, 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 yo. I finally got him to come back into the studio, get his lazy butt down here. I was here in between the this episode and the last that I was on, but we didn't do anything podcast related, and that was kind of nice. We just hung out with our families and played games. That was fun. That was fun. And my kids cried when you left oh because we're so yeah. sweet you guys gonna come back down again yeah I and mean, you know whatever great invite us. oh next time we record though i will come to your place okay sure I'm saying it on the podcast that's cool <laughs> i'll probably just edit it out i know you won't listen so you won't know that i edited it out <laughs> and then when you're like no you said on the podcast you'll be like did i <laughs> yeah that'd be great anytime man well I now got- that i have the mobile recording thing it doesn't sound as as good as us sitting in the studio but it sounds better than like a phone interview so i mean it's you know it's a positive. Well, I'm pretty technologically advanced, too, so we could always dig into my gear and make wonderful sounds together. <laughs> I don't want to sit on a bicycle while I record. <laughs> That's cool. Whatever. Right. So before we started recording, I was telling you about my massive printer back there. I've talked about it on the show before, this new printer I got. So I got a really good deal on it. People who listen to the show, sorry, you've already heard this, but Jason hasn't, so deal with it. Um, <laughs> so Nicole, uh, fellow host, uh, recommended the printer. Uh, her and Anthony got it. It's real nice. $350 printer, $200 mail-in rebates. What? So yeah, but the printer is two and a half feet long. It's like a baby coffin. <laughs> like It's huge. <laughs> it's so huge. Yeah, it's a Xerox machine, essentially. Right. But it prints real nice. Does it? Can, it? it can print 13 by 19. Oh. Yeah, right? It wow. can print a board. That's basically awesome. Yeah, I know. For or like posters yeah. or... <gasps> that's wonderful. I'm not printing posters for you. That's it, dude. You're in business. It has like eight ink cartridges. Oh. Like... Why? I, because it's not just CMYK? No, it's like all these other colors I've never heard of, like gray is it like an, and... <laughs> I don't even understand what we're talking about, but is it like... Is it like an offset printer? Like, I mean, it's got... It's got shades and it's got shades, yeah. That's nuts. It's a pro printer. Like it's a Canon pro. professional model printer. So it's real expensive <clears throat> when you have to replace the uh the cartridges. Hundred bucks. For, for each cartridge. No, oh gosh, no, no. <laughs> awesome. No, Hundred bucks for the set. Which actually when I had my last printer, I was paying about seventy nine bucks a set. So Okay. And that was in theoretically this will last longer I hope because so. there are more things, I guess. I don't know. Hundred bucks, I can deal with that. I mean, that's you know, I, I like. I wish I didn't have to pay that much for it, but I'll probably hit up Nicole and see if she's found a cheaper option. Well, you're gonna save time from uh, having to drive back and forth to print places, or save money on shipping right. that you're gonna right. have to get shipped from an on-demand printer. Yeah, and when I was when I was having to go to like Kinkos and print because my printer was dead, it's a dollar like fifteen per color copy page. Yeah. So, like, I had to do a presentation somewhere, and I needed 20 copies. Like, ouch. 
Right. You and know? that's eight and a half by 11 color pages. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. If you go above eight and a half, 11 by they charge by the square foot. Yeah. So it's yeah. like here's seven dollars for this poster or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's, Kinko's uh, isn't a thing anymore, though. They have a new name now. FedEx Kinko's. <laughs> You yeah. know what that means? It means that I have to wait in line longer while some jerk tries to ship something they could have just shipped from the post office cheaper. So, anyways, yep, yeah, that's true. People say what they want about USPS. Like, I support the United States Postal Service, not like as a patriotic thing, like as a they are cheaper than oh. most of the time. And you know what? FedEx jacks up my packages. No, not uh, FedEx. UPS. FedEx isn't great, but UPS. Whenever something ships from Amazon Prime via UPS, I'm like, well, that's not going to be here in two days. Nah. And it never is. If it's USPS, it's sometimes here in a day. Right. Delivered on a Sunday now. They deliver yeah. Amazon packages on Sunday. Well, that's Amazon, though. That's not... Now, Amazon made a deal with the post office. That's doing that? Yeah. But Amazon has but, their own delivery vehicles yeah, now, okay. too. But but like my postal guy will show up if on a Sunday. shows up on well, Sundays. I mean, usually it's somebody else, but someone will show up. From the post office and drop off a package. Yeah, somebody's showing up at my house at like nine o'clock p.m. on Sundays to drop off packages. Like I check all day Sunday, and then I like it's there Monday. Either they're there at four a.m. on Monday morning, or like super late on Sunday night. Right. Super so, late, you know, yeah, nine p.m. It's wild, yeah, so. super late for me. <laughs> Definitely bedtime. I saw a thing referring to UPS, and it was like uh, when you were a kid growing up. Did you uh, did you enjoy ringing people's doorbells and then running away? Well, good news, we're hiring. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, yeah, I'm I'm down with UPS too or USPS as well. Uh, I don't really like to talk about shipping because I spend as much on postage as I do like on making games, right? Which is disheartening at times. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've had to ship some stuff FedEx like to overseas, and it's unbelievable like yeah. how much it costs yeah. like yeah but they want that tracking and they need it you know they want an express and that's who they work with regularly right so right you got to kind of use their preferred people sometimes but it makes me sad yeah no no and um it's it the shipping thing is a real like hindrance for publishers i think you know um, yeah especially i mean you're you like let's be honest you have it easy oh like, you're sure. making small box games you look at a, any of the companies the bigger companies doing kickstarters and, run, and needing to run shipping out of that, I mean, they're they're shipping stuff that's real expensive. And granted, a lot of times they're just charging for that shipping, just like you are, right? Right. Um, but it still is, yeah. I mean, it's it is a deterrent from people buying, especially when we live in the world of Amazon free shipping, right? Yes. You know, I pay a hundred dollars a year to have every package I've ever wanted shipped to my house within two days for free. Like that's that makes it hard to pay twenty bucks to have a big game shipped. Sorry, my dog is hanging out with us here. Um, <laughs> I pet the dog once and that won't leave. Um, but it is, it's it's hard to swallow that. Like, I can go on this Kickstarter and back this game and pay 20 bucks for shipping because it's a big game, you know, knowing full well that you could wait an extra three months, probably just buy it off Amazon. And they'll ship it to you for free. And they'll ship it to you for free. Um, and you're still helping the publisher because they're still they're still getting paid for that. You're just not helping on the Kickstarter, right? Right, so. and which in a lot of cases for the indie publishers, that game might not be made without your help, so it may not ever end up in the Amazon free right. shipping department. Right. Well, I mean, but again, for a company like yours, I would back on the Kickstarter, right? Right. So, but I'm talking about for like a, I don't know, like a Pandasaurus-sized company, right? Yeah. Like, you know it's going to be available out there after yeah. the fact, yeah. right? Because they're on a model where they're printing 5,000 plus copies of a lot of things, so... Um, yeah, uh, I'm a little anxious. I'm going to have to ship Darwinots this year. Yeah. And that's going to be like 
10 bucks a pop to yeah, ship. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you know, that's just, it's just going to make me a little bit sad. <laughs> that's, right, right. I mean, it's, do you have, could you do, uh, um, you already charge for shipping for that though, right? Yeah. It's included. I, it's included in the price. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I take a cut on the retail right. price of the game right. to include the shipping and right. and do it that way. So. Could you uh, offer for people to, like set up a local meetup? I think that that the amount of work that is involved in that versus the money you spend to just get them shipped is more than I want to deal with, and more I have margin in my life to deal with. That's so fair, it's yeah. just worth it to box them up and get it. And then you got to make exceptions like this one's for the pile, this one's to ship, and there's a lot right. more like That's logistics fair, yeah. there. I yeah. think. Uh, especially since I do them all myself or with the help of friends, but yeah, call me, man. I had a great time doing yeah. the last one. I'm, I'm on. Yeah. Yeah. The cool thing about shipping Darwinots is I'm going to get a bunch of those free mailers that are the priority boxes. Cause it's above the weight that I can use first class. Oh, nice. So like they provide free boxes and they deliver them to my house and they'll pick them up. They'll pick up the games from my house. Right. That's cool. That's cool. That so is nice. I'll just fold boxes all day and listen to British hip hop. Sounds great. <laughs> I'm down. Um, I was bummed. So there was a Kickstarter I looked at recently, and I'm not going to say what the Kickstarter was. Oh, come on. No, I'm not. I'm okay. not. So, um, I'll tell you later. Yeah, I'll, yeah. So, but I was bummed because, so I saw this, this Kickstarter, right? And it was like, it was exactly up my alley. Like I saw like the, Hey, I'm putting this Kickstarter out there. So I, um, you know, I, I, I was, I'm going right. Like, Hey, yes. Just from based on the pictures of your game, I am so in. Right. Yeah. Kickstarter launches, I go to there, right? I'm, I'm ready to just back this game. I have no idea what it costs. But I'm ready to back the game, right? Okay. It's a real-time game. Oh, that's not your thing. No, and so I was really bummed. Uh, the artwork on it looks fun. The, the theme is exactly something up my alley, and my wife would love it. But we both hate real-time games like because we're just so bad at them. Yeah, I'm sorry that you so, hate fun. I just no, I I hate having anxiety and real time games yeah. give me crippling anxiety. That's true. That's so, true. So um not for people who struggle with that particular uh right uh, thing. Yeah. yeah. So Makes uh, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh um, Yeah, I haven't backed anything on Kickstarter in a while. Um neither have I. Yeah. I've I've got a lot of games that I haven't played from Gen Con, you know, and there's a lot of stuff coming out. And, you know, me leaning towards the smaller games, I don't see as much like that's super exciting in the small box range Mm -hmm. because I think Kickstarter creators are realizing that, like, that's not how you make a big splash on Kickstarter. Right. Um, Yeah. So uh, Philip DeBerry has one that looks cool called Square Meal on Kickstarter. Oh, cool. He's stepping into trying publishing on his own. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. And... uh, He's a person that should be doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, I haven't looked at that Kickstarter. Hopefully, it's doing well. Yeah. Uh, it's got off to a slow start, but hopefully by the time this podcast is airing, it's it's cruising along. Cool. Cool. I'll, I'll definitely check that one out. I, I hadn't heard of it yet. Yeah. Cool. So, interesting talking about what you've been playing and stuff. I don't care what you've been playing because we're That's running fine. out of time, but let me tell you this so you'll like this. Um, so, I went and got rid of all my old... Nintendo, Sega systems, and all that. Whoa. Um, well, here's the good news. None of them worked, turns out. Oh, cool. So I had I couldn't test them. I had to take one to my friendly local game store. Who am I trust, like, implicitly? They're like, not going to lie. No, and I also stood there while they tried to test it. And okay. they couldn't get any of them to, like, they would turn on, but they wouldn't actually, like, like boot up, you know? Oh, yeah. Um. So, uh, but the guy's like, we'll buy them for parts. And I was like, oh, oh. that's fantastic. 
So I ended up for all that stuff. I, and there was an old PlayStation one in there as well. Which, oh, classic yeah, machine yeah. though. But <laughs> that one I think did turn on. Oh, did it? Um, and uh, twisted metal so, two, man, that's the game. <laughs> so I ended up getting eighty bucks for everything. All right, right. Um, there were some games in there too, and the games presumably all worked. Um, yeah, it's just you know because they were like the games usually work. You know they don't rattle inside; they're not broken inside, right? So I turned all that crap, a whole literal tub of stuff, into three board games. Whoa, Corinth. Uh, okay. At my wife's request. Oh, the uh, the yeah, the game we played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a great roller um, right, you guys. Yep. Uh, Days of Wonder. Japur, which yeah. you never told me about. I've never told you about Japur. It's so good. It's one of the best two player games ever. Yeah. It's one of our favorites. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Wish you'd have told me about I'm that. Sorry, I thought you knew. No, I um uh, Asmode Digital. That means a- you don't listen to my podcast either, because I'm sure we give it lots of love on 20 minutes of filler. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've listened to at least two episodes. <laughs> okay, cool. I was on them, but um, yeah, right. No, anyways. Um, so uh, the Asmodee Digital had a sale uh, on some of their digital games on iPhone. Gross. And right, and so I had bought um, Splendor and something else already. Uh huh. And there was a three pack. And it was like, do you want to finish your pack? And Japur was the last one, and it was a dollar to finish it. So I was like, oh. well, yeah, I do. Duh. Right? So I did. Well, um, yeah, it turns out uh, that game is amazing. So it's, I, I went and bought it. Um, what was the third game I bought? Corinth Jaipur. That's a good haul so far. I'm excited. I can't remember what the last one was. Huh. Hmm. It's not sitting over there, so I can't... Uh, Corinth Jaipur, what was the third one? Uh, I don't remember. I'm hmm. bummed because I was real excited about it. Oh, Little Town, Little Town. Oh, yeah. I haven't got to play that yet, but um, that's uh, AEG, uh, or something like that, or Yellow. Oh, Yellow. Yeah, yeah. Little Town. Okay. So I played it once. I really liked it. Um. It we really spoke my language for being like you're building a town like in the middle of nowhere like you know you've got these and it actually gave me some ideas for how I could possibly make an outcome the wolves work like okay. ways that when I first started designing it was like you can't make a game like this and now realizing like oh I could be using tiles not in the same way but a different way like I could be using tiles as these things and possibly like and that gave me some ideas so so I kind of really enjoyed that game so I picked that up so those three games for getting rid of a bunch of old systems I haven't used in. 15 years, uh, maybe 20 years, uh, that didn't work. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. That's great. And it got rid of some space in my storage room. Nice. I'm on a kick of trying to get rid of even more stuff for my storage room. Uh, Yeah, I got a pretty big pile of games I've been kind of selling and giving away. And um, it feels feels like I want it to be done, but I'm not ready to give them to a thrift store. You know what I mean? There's some quality stuff in there. There's stuff I'm not going to get to again. Just take it to a... to a game store. Yeah, but they only give like store credit. So you you turn time. 20 games into one game. I know, we'll see. I mean, that that was my goal. I actually took in a huge bag of games as well. And he was like, "Man, we've got a sale going on right now. We're trying to clear out this inventory because we have so many mm. games." He's like, "So come see me mid-January and I'll probably be interested because like a lot of them are still sealed in the box." Yeah. From a couple of companies. None of your games in there. So Cool. Um, That's good. Thanks. I mean, not that I would admit. No, there's not. Um, but uh, I mean, I still do have some games for me that are sealed <laughs> that I haven't played. That's okay. But um, yeah, 
But anyway, I mean, that's the thing. There's so many games out there. Right. Actually, Not- I just have one. You know, actually, you know, a game that I pulled out recently out of out of shrink and started playing of yours is Rocky Road Alamo. Yeah, good. It's so much fun. It's great. Um, it's always a game that I thought was cool, but like I was just thinking about having to teach it and I just like, ah, I think that it, it, for one of those small games, it does have a lot of teaching points, but it the, does. the theme helps teach it. Right. I think. And the other thing was, so I was thinking about trying to teach the game to my wife, right? Okay. And it's got the engine building and it's got the time track thing, okay. which are two things that if you're not a heavy gamer yep. can be a little more daunting. Sure. But then it occurred to me, uh, because Mills only rips off ideas, uh, that it, this is basically patchwork and splendor. Like those that's two how core I mechanics. Sell it at conventions. And guess what? That's how I've been selling it at conventions too. Now, yeah. whenever I've helped you in the last like six months to a year. Um, cause I think I heard you say that. And then I started, well then after that it clicked, like my wife's two of her favorite games were patchwork and splendor. Like, so I was like, I can teach her this like that. And sure enough, she picked it up immediately because of that, because awesome. I was able to say, Hey, check this out. You're going to build this engine like Patchwork. I mean, like Splendor. You're going to use this time check like Patchwork. And she was like, oh, I got it. That's great. She's like, oh, it's about ice cream. This is super cool. So it was, you know, um, yeah. Anyway, so that is one that I've been wholesale, like, I mean, wholeheartedly recommending to people because oh, it's fantastic. Thank yeah. you. And uh, the art on that has always been one of my favorite art things of your games. Um, Adam McIver did that, Adam I think. Adam McIver. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's just so weird yep. in like the best way. It's like, like running Stimpy, but it's all illustrations of my friends and my family is it yeah oh yeah because josh is in there his wife is in there there's a mashup of like my kids in there adam mciver is one of them too adam and his wife and me and my wife uh yeah that's fun so that's really cool yeah okay we should talk about a topic we should so you had a list of topics and uh one of them kind of popped in my head because of a thing that happened recently so uh i got a rejection recently um, and it was for uh, we have amnesia or mustachioed. Uh, so either either name you want to call it. It was from a large publisher, and uh, it's been rejected by several large publishers, um, Hasbro and a couple others that I won't mention because they're not that size. Um, also, some small ones. Also, some small ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't mention their names either. But no, you looked at it at one point and said yep. it wasn't for you. You you said you didn't think you could market it the way that it would mark need to be marketed. I had a lot for, of fun with it, but I just couldn't figure out how a small Kickstarter company could do it right, successfully. Right. And I heard that from other companies of about your size or slightly larger, which is why I started charting bigger companies once Hasbro would show interest, even though they ended up not wanting it. The fact that they showed interest kind of opened the door of like, why am I not showing this to larger companies? So one, this larger company that, that rejected it, I first of all, I, they are looking at another game that I did with Neil. Um, and uh, well, they're looking at Three Coronations. I'm not saying what publisher it is, so it doesn't matter. Uh, and they kind of, I was surprised they even took, because at first the the publisher was like, I don't get this game. And then um, Isaac was actually there with me. And he was like, no, see this, this, and this. And then the publisher was like, oh, oh that's, that's, that's pretty clever. Yeah, let me let me take a copy of that. And I thought they're not gonna they're gonna reject. This yeah, game. it's not right. really a fit on paper for right. that. Company. And you know what company it is? Yeah. yeah. And I even said like, like, oh, would you put an IP behind this? And, and they were like, no. And I thought, well, then why would you want this? Mm. But anyways, um, so I've got a couple other companies that are looking at it, but most of the company's feedback has been like, eh, it's just not a good fit for us. We don't know how to market it. But this person's feedback was great. And I'm actually going to read what they said because it was um 
it finally clicked for me what I need to do with this game, but I won't say what that is until I read you the thing. All right. Um, so this person replied back. Um, they um, I've, we've only been able to try. We have amnesia at this point, but we are going to pass on that. So something I love about this publisher is they tend to be like, yes or no, like pretty right off rap, the bat. And, and I like that. Um, we did like it. Um, but it's too much like public domain games uh, available as well as a few published things like apps and headbands, etc. We'll be trying your other game in the next month. Um, so like that was really solid feedback, right? Um, and basically what they're saying is like, hey, like this is this is like other stuff that's out there in a way that means we don't think we could market it. Um, is what I'm hearing, right? And that is the first time someone has said that. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyways, that to me was kind of kind of a turning point for that game, right? Like feedback that kind of makes me say, do I actually, like, is this game worth pitching to people anymore? You know, I've got, it's, it's one super big company's looking at it. Okay. And if they want it, it's theirs. They would for sure IP it. Like that's, I pitched it to them as an IP engine. Like that's this would be good with an IP. Okay. It would be fun with with something that people recognize. Think of code names IPs, right? It would oh, be fun sure. with that like that sort of thing, right? Um, and in the meantime, I, I've co-designed two party games that I think are way better than it, um, more inventive, you know, more innovative. Um, the ones that Banana and I have done. So like I feel way better about those, anyways, and their publishability. Um, so. So kind of looking at that, it kind of now comes back to, do I self-publish it? Because there was I there was a point where I looked at self-publishing it. There was a point where I looked at, um, uh, yeah, working with an artist and just making it ourselves, putting it out there. Um, that's still an option, but... You know, because I do think looking at games like Monikers, uh, which Monikers is just the game Celebrity, right? Right. Which is the same game Times Up is, exactly. for the record, right? Um, and both those games have done very well. Yeah. So looking at it that way, you know, I could possibly do that, right? Um, so all that said, it's just kind of what this ties back to is the topic, which is managing your expectations about... Um, stuff in the gaming industry, right? And and I maybe you're not seeing the connection yet, but for me it was the initial expectation of this game based on early playtests was like this game is going to be a huge hit and it's going to sell a ton. Everyone I saw play that game had a blast. Yeah, yeah. And continually people said things like if this was for sale I would buy it right now. Right. You know, which is one of the best pieces of feedback you can get unless it's a publisher. And then it's even better when they say, if this is for sale, I want to buy it right now because that means they'll publish it and then your life gets better. So, <laughs> um, But you and I were kind of talking about the idea of setting and understanding the expectations of all sorts of things within the design industry. This is a thing that we deal with in life in general, right? For sure. Uh, in any of the work we do, but really trying to tie it back to game design and understanding how do we manage those expectations um and for me i want to hear what you think but for me the core of that reasoning for managing your expectations is i spent a lot of time thinking i had a hit right and it turns out i have a hit that no one actually wants to publish ergo i don't have a hit right at least right. so far that's what it seems like and that that was if i'd heard that a year ago that would have been devastating. Now, eh, 
whatever. I'll I'll just have to decide what to do, right? Um, but you know, uh, we've talked recently about Kickstarters where people expect them to go gangbusters, right? Uh, and then they don't, right? And that's you know that's a big letdown on expectations. And uh, I've seen uh, a publisher a while back who. Um, put a Kickstarter out there. I want to be clear, this is not you. I'm not like (laughs) talking about you. They put a Kickstarter out there and they really struggled to understand with why it wasn't performing the way they thought. And, you know, I've seen this many times where like as an outside party, like I'm very good at looking at things and saying, well, this is probably why it's not succeeding. Now, if I was doing it myself, I probably would be just terrible at it. But when you're the third, when you're looking from the outside, outside, yeah, I'm pretty analytical. I can make some assumptions. And even with you, I think it's fair to say I've made some suggestions a couple of times that have been helpful. Um, Not always, but right. I mean, like with a couple of Kickstarters, like, hey, have you tried this? And you say, oh, I tried. Oh, that's not so bad. Um, But anyways, like, it's easy to see as the outsider to say, listen, your expectations of this were way too high. And one of the things I like about you is I feel like your expectations for your stuff is always pretty low. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. There's not a lot of times where you're like, this Kickstarter is going to go gangbusters. I've heard you say, I really thought this one might do a little better than this. But I feel like you do a decent job to where your Kickstarters, even if they perform below your expectations, they're pretty close to where you expected them to do, right? Like, you may have stretched a little and thought, "Well, I was hoping for this, but right. this isn't this isn't really less than what I, you know, too too much lower than my expectation was, right?" Yeah. I I think that the success stories like that are unexpected like just you know, half a million dollar type type of things. Right, right. Uh and the thing that drew me into games that was names on boxes. Mm-hmm. I wanted my name in a box. That right. little bit of celebrity right. culture. Yep. Um, those two things are like, they're a pull right. for all game designers in some way, I think, and publishers, because we see an opportunity to make a mark right. and right. to be a success, right? Right. Um, and if you go chasing that, you're probably going to be disappointed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because uh, that's, I think that, I try to approach it from the other end of, and this is a struggle for me because I want that too, right? Like I mm-hmm. want, I want to feed right. my family and like, right. I want to do things that I love and get paid for it. And I want to be known and respected. All those kind of things are wrapped up in that for me. Um, but if I go set that as my goal, the only way I can see to get there is by being a type of person that I don't want to be. Right. Or, um, by luck. Right. So if it's luck or me being the kind of person I don't want to be, that I can't set my expectations on that level. Right, right. So then I have to scale back and say, well, what, why do I do this? Really? It's because of the creativity. It's because of the collaboration. It's because I feel like I'm offering something to someone, right? Right. So if I can just say, if there's enough people to like help foot the bill for this game and we reach a funding goal that will get it produced and shipped and pay for art and I won't lose money. Right. Then like that's a success to me. Right. Right. Um, and, and even further back than that is just like, am I creating art that I enjoy? Right. Was this process, uh, exciting and then if you if you start with the bare bones like i want to make something i'm proud of with people that i care about Mm -hmm. and like to be with then 
um, any amount of success can be a win. And it's right. like you're, you're going on a journey and you're going to like go down that path until there are trees that make the road impassable. And you say, well, I think we've made it about as far as we can go. And you can push through sometimes and get a little further with it if you really want to hustle. But um, the creation side of that and just mm-hmm. kind of like going down this path of least resistance um, – journey to see where it leads like there's a lot more room for excitement and wonder and being surprised than if you set out to be like "Ah, i'm gonna conquer you know i'm gonna conquer the forest or whatever so yeah so for me it's it's been and i think that comes from my punk rock roots too it's like the thing is not that i'm gonna be famous sure that would be nice and you see the people that are and it's a draw but like creating something is is a great thing in itself. So if if that can be like the thing, then I think you're you're well set to be like, well, if I get a game published, then I have been luckier than a lot of people. Right, right. And those can be exciting things. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, how cool that you've had opportunity to show your games to people like Hasbro, like mm-hmm. one of the biggest board game companies in the world, yeah. you know, and you've been turned down from personal emails from like our heroes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, um, I had a film uh, teacher back in, in college say, and at the time Columbia was like a big thing. Right. And he was like, he's like, I've had scripts turned down by Columbia and that felt really good because they read it. And then they said, no, you know, and, um, yeah, two two things I want to point out, but I'll start with this one um, based on what you said. First, I uh, yesterday I sent an email to a, a pretty large publisher and said, "Hey, um, I uh, you looked at this game before you turned it down. I got a couple more games I'd love to show you. Uh, you know, what's your submission process like? Your official one." And he replied and said, "This is our head of head of submissions. Just just send it to him directly." And he's like, "Oh man, awesome! Hey, send me this and this. I can't wait to see it." Like. That felt good, right? Yeah. To be like, oh wow, like I've made the connection to where like I just have this guy's ear, right? Um, or you know, when it came to when I asked about I asked for an update on we have amnesia from this other large publisher, and that person responded back within 15 minutes and apologized for taking so long and then was like, Hey, but I, we're gonna get to this other thing. I mean, like that it's not even because like I'm like respected by them, it's because like I know them and like I've like that feels nice, right? To have that camaraderie with those people. Yeah, for sure. Um but the other thing is you mentioned your name on the box, right? And and I'll be completely honest and say that there was a a large part of me when I started designing that that was very important, right? Yeah. You know, the idea of my name on a box and like like that was it it's I think every designer needs at least one game to get like to publish with their name on the box, right? And that feels good right Absolutely. and there's and it's okay that that feels good right because totally. it's a huge accomplishment but uh isaac and i were dealing with a publisher who is possibly interested in a game and he said i just want to be clear you're not going to see your name on the box for this game because this publisher generally doesn't do that for people like us right <laughs> you know if it was eric lang or something like that or matt leacock oh yeah or rob davio it's going to be right there right right but for us it's not going to be he said, now I can fight for that if you want that. And I said, you know what? I don't care. I really don't care because at the end of the day, I'll hold this box up and I'll know, I'll be able to say, I did this. And I don't care that my name's not in big letters on the front of the box. 
Um, and that felt good to feel that way, right? Yeah. To you know, and but listen, I'm not. I am not taking away anyone's feelings about really wanting to see your name on a box, right? Yeah, totally. Because legit. I've had that now three times with my name right on the front of a box, and it's felt great every time, right? Um, and every time it's felt better, right? Because like, <laughs> um, like you know, having it on Into the Black Forest, like that to me, and I'm not just trying to suck up to you, like that was a huge deal because that was on a Green Couch Games box, and like you know from from our early friendship, I mean, that's something that I've wanted for a long time. Like that was a bucket list for me to have a Green Couch game. Yeah. Um. And so the fact that I did that after you literally turned down like 20 different games <laughs> I pitched to you, this is a reason to just keep harassing people, guys, because eventually they'll cave, right? Um, but, uh, you know, that that meant something to me, right? But after that now, like, I mean, if it, it just doesn't matter as much anymore. It's about getting things out there. To me, the number of games I'm getting published, that's what is rewarding to me because not because like, look at what I'm creating. It's because look at what people are able to enjoy partly because of the work I did. And right. that is like, that to me is just, oh, that, that, that will never get old and that will always be what I want. Um, and that can happen on a small local level yep. of like people played mustachioed right. and they had a blast right. and that game may never get published. Right. But you did this thing that created an experience and it was cool. Right. Um, and you, and you followed that road. You said, where is this, where is this going to go? Like right. I had a similar experience to, uh, with sunset shuffle. Yep. Um, uh, people loved it. Like table after table at the first unpub I went to in Delaware. Um, we're just like I was there going nuts for it. Yep. And I signed it that day. And uh, then it was like, oh, this game's going to be really hard to produce with that many dice. So right. let's scale it back. And it never came out because I think that same question that happened with how do I how do I market this game? Right. right. Um, but like. It was like cool to see how much of a blast people were having with such a simple idea mm-hmm. that I put before them. Right. Um, and the relationships that it opened up, you know, right. like I hung out with a publisher and, mm-hmm. you know, like got to learn some stuff from them. So right. like, and then you made your own publishing company. Yeah. And, and, and I can't get away from the idea of this like punk rock. Like I just do stuff and like throw it out there and people can take it or not. Right. Um, right. And other people are not that way, and that's okay too. But to me, um, I don't know. There's just something about like just seeing what happens and staying yeah. true to your vision. And um, there's probably business people out there that are rolling their eyes, like that's not how you you know run a business or right, you know. Right. But like, uh, I didn't get in it to run a business. I wasn't like right. I'm excited about like accounting and uh, <laughs> I'm excited about like figuring out how to you know. But to be fair, you were and, excited about like making an income, right? I mean, yeah, because like, yeah, that's important for sure. But like, I I always like an artist type. It always comes from like I hope that people just resonate right. with what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah, you know. Yep. Um and. That's why I'm not playing in the big leagues with all the people that are like, you know, cranking out a dozen new games at at Gen Con because like I don't play that way. Like that just doesn't work for me to be that kind of person. So one of the things you said that I struggle with from an expectation standpoint, and this comes from doing the film stuff, right? Um, I struggle with because of the film stuff, I struggle with perfectionism, right? Um, With the idea that when I put something out there, it like 
like okay remember back in the day because you were probably really into zines right remember when zines were like i know they're still a thing i I have one right yeah so but remember (laughs) when they were like like the 90s oh yeah and they were like you know in the like and i mean this in the nicest way but they looked like garbage right right yeah it was people going to kinko's and trying to scam as many free copies as they could and right. you can't really line everything up with that kind of time frame. Right, right. <laughs> and so, like, I struggled. Like, I always thought that would be cool to do. But I was like, oh, I can't. Like, I, I need it to look better than that, right? And that's the film stuff really did that to me was this this need for perfectionism. And what I've learned over the years that I'm really trying to face Haran now is that, um, and this is, this, is, this is something I came up with recently that's really resonated with me that I keep reminding myself is perfectionism makes the attainable unreachable. And that is something that's I kind of a mantra I keep trying to remind myself. I'm going to put that in a blog at some point. I haven't yet. But, yeah. like, but like it's the truth, right? Like you, perfectionism takes something you could totally do and makes it so you, you won't do it, right? Because you... It's got to be perfect, right? And so that's, you know, um, I was talking to a co-designer recently who had said, hey, we're working on this game. Like, it doesn't have to be revolutionary. Not every game has to change the world, right? Right. Like, if this is if this is what a publisher is interested in, like, good enough is good enough, right? Um, it doesn't have to be the game where people are like, this changes this style of game. Like this has changed co-op games. And it's not a co-op game, which is why I'm saying co-op, but like <laughs> it's completely changed how people look at that, right? Um like that's cool if one of your games does that, but not every game is going to do that. Um there was a uh was it was it you that told me this story? Maybe you that told me this story. I'm gonna tell it. You can tell me if it was you or not. I think it was you though. All right. Where there was a, um, this person was talking to a publishing company, a big publishing company, um, and they uh, were, this is a company that publishes a couple big name people, like real big name people, right? I think you know this story. Uh, maybe not. But, um, and they said, you want to play, they, they were playing uh, this person's prototype. They said, you want to play a really bad game by this, by this big famous person? And they said, sure. And they sat him down and they they played this game by the super well-known designer that was submitted to them. And they're like, this is garbage. <laughs> um, and uh, like, that was awesome to hear that story, right? That's not my story. That's not your story. I can't no. remember who yeah. it was. I wish I could remember who it was, but um, it was uh, it was one. It's somebody we both know. I okay. just can't remember who it was who told this story, but um, it was a big company with a big designer and like, it felt good to hear them say, like, this game sucks. I mean, Reiner Knizia is actually a great example. And oh, that's yeah. not who the story's about, but, like... 400 games. There's no way published. they're all good. Right? Yeah, no way. I've played I some that I'm like, what? I promise at least 200 of those games are okay at best. <laughs> right. For every Lost Cities, he's going to have five games that you're going to be like, what was he doing here? Is this just a math test? I feel like I'm taking a math test. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, just like creating the content and following where it goes, like right. Um, because to I think that the expectations come when we have goals. There's nothing wrong with goals, but attainable goals are way more likely for you to make feel like you're making progress. Right, like, right. Cut things into small chunks, one at a time. Don't put the cart before the horse. Like these, mm-hmm. that, you know, the proverb that like has been used so many times, like right. is for a reason. Um, and I think that we jump ahead 
because we play that comparison game. Yeah. I want to yeah. be like this. I want to be like that. We've talked about that before. Right. Like if I'm chasing somebody else's like way of being, chasing somebody else's flow or design, then I'm not going to be me. And I can't count on the results that they're having because those are their results. And I'm coming to it with different people, different experiences, different opportunities, different strikes of luck. And the thing to remember, too, is that they're not doing nearly as well as you think they're doing. That's the other thing, right? You're not you're not looking at all you see is what they're posting online, right? Look at all these games I've got published. Look at all of this, right? Like That's what you're seeing. That's not. That's not the real world. Yeah, we put our best selves right on the social media, uh, and even even those same people like who be like, look at all these games, and then they talk about I'm really struggling with this and this, right? Like things aren't perfect for them, and that's the thing to remember is that things aren't perfect for you, things aren't perfect for them. You know, are they better at game design than you? Maybe there's a decent chance, right? Like if they've done it for so much longer. Um, does that mean that you don't have something to say that they don't have to say then what you have to say is important? Right. Yeah. No, of course not because we all have distinct voices and that that's been one of the things that's resonated with me about co-design. I know y'all are tired of me talking about co-design, but like is feeling someone else's voice as part of my game feels really cool because it means that it's not just Jason's voice pushing that game forward. Right. Right. Um, well also that, I think it says something else too. I think it says like that if you are a person that others are willing to work with, that validates your experience too. It does. It does. Yeah. And that that's a win and that's that's a cool thing. It's like, oh, there must there's something to this. It's affirming. Right. Um, it helps a lot with imposter syndrome for sure. I was just yeah. talking about this recently with uh with my wife actually that like, you know, working with other people, um, especially people that I get to work with who are super talented, like, that makes me feel valid right because they'd like because again you know some of them approached me and said let's work together on this um and that's like oh wow like that's a big compliment right, right. when somebody comes to you and says i want to work with you on this um even if you didn't want to work with them right like you may maybe it's not an opportunity you want to take right but the fact that they came to you and said like i'm interested in working with you like that's a huge compliment right, right? Um, well, yeah, especially also, when you know you're not important enough for them to be trying to coattails you, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's like a mirror too. Right. Like, when I go uh, to like Rob Davio and say, "Rob Davio, I got this legacy game. I need you to make it awesome," right? I very, I promise you, I'm coattailsing it because it's Rob Davio, right? <laughs> yeah, and, totally. Yeah, it's a legacy game. You know, I need to make a co-op legacy game. I know two guys who I'd call. I mean, I can't because I don't know how to call them. <laughs> but if I could, right? Yeah. Um, and they'd be like, you know, Leacock Davio, some other dude. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be sweet. I, I, when I first worked with Philip uh, DeBerry, yeah, 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 like I was like, he he's a pretty big deal. He's got a game with Steve Jackson, and like you know, Revolution was is a great game. Um, oh yeah, that, I forget that that I, and that, we, that's him. Yeah, we we worked uh, we worked together. I just reached out to him for feedback, and he's like, "You want to work on this?" And I was like, "Whoa, yeah!" And then I get to see he's a real dude. He's a real smart dude, and right. he's got different gifts than me, but he's just a real dude. Right. So then, it like we're on the level playing field of this person I looked up to, and like we both are. Con- I contributed things that he thought were good ideas. He contributed things that I were good ideas, and that was um, that was a really cool thing. I th- I think that um, those those manageable goals. Yeah, are going to protect you from getting exhausted and burned out. Right, right. Like, and 
and here's the thing, everybody. I want to be clear that when we say manageable goals, we're not talking about crushing your dreams, right? Yeah. Dream big. Dream huge. Yeah. Shoot for the sky, right? But also, don't bet your life on it, right? I mean, like, you know, don't bet your sanity on it. And put one foot in front of the other, right? Yeah. Like, we're not jumping to the end. There's no cheat code like in Mario. We're not going to level right. eight before right. we go to level you one, don't two, got three. Thirty. You don't got 30 lives like Contra. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's good because I think the I think the the potential for getting exhausted and burned out is there. I mean, I probably I mean Absolutely. I've experienced that because like I was like I'm gonna do this full time, and and I and I made it work for my yep, situation, yep. but like the pace at which I was trying to keep up was pretty disheartening, right? Because well, there's there's stuff out there that was out of my control, right? That made it. Um, really hard to get there and I could have maybe taken a few steps in between uh, not trying to go full time and trying to go full time that would maybe set me up better for that when I got there Um, yeah no that's fair that's fair well I think that was a pretty good discussion about this stuff I was trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to throw out there around this Um, but I don't know I, I think that just you know Understand what it is you want under in, in really, really take a good look at what you've got. And, you know, um, with, with, with your, whatever you're trying to do, like with it's a game, you're trying to sell whatever, like really look at it and take a critical eye, not, not demeaning yourself, not being too critical, right. Of yourself. But I mean, to say like, what, what could this do? You know, what, what is this game actually worth? And like, what, what can I do with it? Right. Um, the one one little managing expectations that I want to throw out there. This has been this is something about co-design I haven't talked about that's been really interesting to me is one of the things we talk about as game designers is when is a game done, right? Like when is a game good enough? When is it ready to go? And I'll tell you that it's been the hardest part of co-design, Jason, because your view of when a game is done and ready to go is very likely not going to match up with theirs. Oh, yeah. Like, so, like, to hear a co-designer say to me, like, I feel like we need more development on this. You know, I think this is good to go. And I'm like, is it? Like, I think this need like, and I've had, with the same designers, I've had it both ways, ah. where we had different expectations about what was done and what was ready to pitch, right? And I've been surprised every time because, again, I've seen it go both ways with multiple designers. Like, So it's not just the same designer who's always like, we need to do more development or the same designer who's always like, just ship it. It's it's the same people going back and forth. And it's, it's kind of learn like what are their expectations for this? And I think that it's important that you ask that up front. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I was going to I was going to say like that you have that discussion early on, like right. what are the essential milestones right for you like that are going to say this is when we're done you know exactly um like what's the goal what are the things we can't live without what are some things we could live without mm-hmm. and then like you have that discussion and you can work work together towards that i think in a more kind of right concrete right. way right so uh so anyways i just thought that was a fun little factoid that really ties in well with managing expectations yeah so for sure all right. Well, hey, guess what? We talked for a really long time, so we don't really need to pitch a game. Awesome. So, um, but I feel like that was a real, I really enjoyed that discussion. I hope the builders did too. Uh, builders, if you have any comments about that, uh, let me know. 
Um, we will at some point be playing all those voicemails. Several of you have sent. Uh, I need to set up some time to record with everyone to get the voicemails with each thing. And we'll probably, I'm hoping to do just a voicemail episode where I talk to each of the co-hosts about a voicemail and we just kind of answer questions. So awesome. it'll be fun. All right. So anything else you want to pitch? I mean, not pitch, um, uh, plug. Not particularly. Not your ska band. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, man. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyways, uh, all right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can hit us up at buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can call us at 770-TEL-BTG. Please don't use the email. Uh, that was a little singing there. You can uh, get us on the Twitter at podcastbtg, at J.A. Slingerland, at Jason Katarski. And you could, or at Green Couch Games. Right. Uh, you could also, uh, that's everything, I think. Find us on Facebook, whatever. Do that stuff. We're out uh, there. We're out there. In this connected world, this hyper mobile connected world, man. Exactly. All right. Well, with that, a good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 tell BTG. Please don't use the email.